Yeah. You got anything rolled up for this uh this evening, my friend? Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Cool. Spark that now. <laughs> Same here. And uh, while we do that, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to our listeners <laughs> and people that are watching uh, the Chillinois podcast. What up, Chillinois? What up? What up? What up? It's your boy, the one and only J. Dot R. Dot, aka Mister Cabrini Green. I am Hip Hop Chicago, your favorite advocate activist in the city, fighting for the human rights to everything. But today we switching it up. As most of you know, I'm now J.R. Fleming, social equity owner of a craft grow cultivation license in the state of Illinois and transporter license and partner with an infuser. Um, so that's who I am, social equity owner. Um, I'm an advocate through Hemp for Hoods and um, Southwest Coalition for Commerce, also known as Southwest Coalition for Cannabis. Um, as most of um Folks listening know um, the last couple of podcasts have been co covering issues around Springfield and legislative um, bills that we are proposing to assist us as social equity folks in this industry. You know, I, I, I want to start off by saying, just for the record, I was one of the biggest supporters of uh, the cannabis, um, the CRTA, Retail Tax Act. Um, big proponent of that because of the expungement um, element of that bill, one. And two, um, I was a firm believer that social equity folks will have a shot at this industry. Uh, and what I mean by social equity folks, folks who like me who was disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. For those of you who don't know, I had a lot of charges for cannabis. I grew up in Cabrini Green. Um, and I became an activist, you know, only because I felt like there was a necessity to fight for housing. Activists fighting for education, housing, healthcare. Um, during that process uh, of fighting, I did a lot of marching. And um, prior to being an activist, an advocate, I was an All-American football player. You know, I busted up my legs, and so there goes the story how I come into cannabis. Right, I'm um, after busting up my legs, tearing an ACL in one knee, ACL, MCL in another knee. You know, um, I was put on medication that uh, <laughs> I really didn't agree with. With, and most of the government who knew me doing my protest days didn't agree with. So I was I was strong out on opioids, trimadol, and all of them pain medications that would help athletes like myself um, deal with the pain as we go on in life, um, not playing sports. So when I switched over to medical marijuana, best thing that ever happened to me, you know, uh, best thing that ever happened to the movement <laughs> and a lot of folks, right? Uh, uh -huh. Less protest, more policy. And, and so speaking on policy, you know, being an advocate, an activist coming from the world of human rights and advocacy, I thought, you know, cannabis would be easy work. It's something that the state and anything but a dream come true um, thus far. You know, it was a dream come true to win a license. It's been a nightmare since we had it. And that's only due to legislation and the uh, continual practice of these multi-state operators. You know, so um, I I'm doing press conferences with our folks. We out there, we in Springfield advocating for sensible legislation that would support social equity on. And uh, let, that's a perfect segue. Let's, like I said, I want to give you the floor to talk about, you know, some of those policy points that you feel would be, you know, key to ensuring the success of social equity, as you say. Um, take it on, man. Um, and uh, 
I just want to say thanks again for uh, your time tonight. I mean, thanks for having me. You know, so some of the policies that we're pushing for right off the bat as a craft grower, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Chicago and Illinois want to appreciate me if I lie, right? Um, they, you know, my integrity is everything. So I'm, I'm going to shoot right off the bat. This initial legislation we supported was supposed to give us equity in this industry. In hindsight, once you get to see it in the facts of the matter, um, it should have never been a struggle for us to get 14,000 square foot of canopy, right? And for folks who don't know, I have a cultivation, in a, which is a craft grow license. Let me separate the two. I have a craft grow license. And the multi-state operators in this, in this state that are operating for cultivation, they have a cultivation license. And their license allow them for recreational to grow up to 200,000 square foot of canopy. Those who have a medical recreational license, I mean, medical cultivation license, their canopy is unlimited because they have unlimited canopy. So the average MSO is probably using anywhere from 100 plus thousand square foot of canopy um, to cultivate cannabis in the state of Illinois. Meanwhile, on the social equity side, we only have 14,000 square foot. So I want to point out that is a great disparity when you talk about market share in this industry as a cultivator and a craft grower. So we felt like it, it shouldn't have been a struggle asking the state to allow us 14,000 square foot out the gate or make it whereas the Illinois Department of Agriculture could decide which companies had the capacity and ability to utilize 14,000 square foot right off the bat. The case being, if you really want us to have equity in this industry, you wouldn't be doing anything as a legislator, a government official, to limit, prohibit, or derail us from maximum profitability. And 14,000 square feet, as you know, Cole, you know, it, it, it's a big difference. Right and five thousand, and, and for the average crop, a big difference of profitability. You know, so we wanted to have effective legislation. Fourteen thousand square foot of canopy is one of the demands. We want uniform badging. Right, this is necessary so that folks like myself, who might uh, um, not have won a license but had previous charges we have a simpler process to get bad so that they can work in this industry. We want also that dispensary owners, as well as other social equity license winners, have the ability to sell some equity in their company so they can raise the necessary capital to stand up their business. Cannabis is a schedule one drug on a federal level. Everybody know that. You cannot get a loan from a bank to stand up your cannabis business. So that limits the people in which you can go to for loans, investment, to type of equity in a company or stake in a company if they're going to make such a large investment, and we're talking millions of dollars. So that's, that's another issue we want to address. We don't want the conversation derailed around Delta H, or Delta 8, uh, um, CBD, hemp, and all these other products 
um, that are really ancillary opportunities to folks who can get in the cannabis industry. Again, it's another way to get into an industry, not just for recreational purposes, but we say medicinal purposes, right? It's another entry point into an alternative medicine industry that is not controlled by big pharma, right? Or multi-state operators. So we're, we're, pu we're pushing for legislation that would support cannabis owners, operators, and advocates and standing up their businesses and creating an ecosystem where social equity license winners can thrive. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Well, thank you for laying that all out. And I'm curious, um, I've been hearing recent talk about an omnibus. Can you give me like the latest that you know about that um, and where it stands? Well, we're told we're going to get some things um, in this omnibus bill that we've been asking for, right? So it's in the process that they're working on it. I would imagine this weekend, we're with a week left in session, um, that they um, you know, um, some of the things, um, and I don't want to, you know, I don't know what's public and what's not public, you know, and I don't want to say something that might hinder or hamper our ability to get this. Um, but I do know that, that they are working on an omnibus bill that would address these issues and get us to the 14,000 square feet. However, I will say I am disappointed. We sparked this one, right? And I'm from Chicago. Everybody know I just tell it how it is, right? I am disappointed that we couldn't get to the conversation around agency versus commission. And I ain't want, you know, to swap out this for that, right? When you have a majority of social equity license winners, advocates, allies, and organizations who are working around the cannabis industry, whether it's plant touching or not, who all agree that there should be an agency in which these 13 various departments that should be, that encompass all of them, right? That rolls them all up into one. Uh, one of the simpler terms we use is one plant, one agency, right? Shout out Edie Moore, Chicago Norm on them uh, for keeping our foot to the fire on that. Uh, big shout out to the uh, Cannabis Oversight Office, CRO, Aaron Johnson them for supporting uh, our demands for an agency. Shout out to the governor's office. I'm just disappointed that legislators are going to put this on the back burner, right? Again, if we're really trying to make it simpler and easier for social equity folks you know, to stand up their businesses and to be in compliance, then the agency was the way to go. You know, I, I think we have a house where I know we have a housing house working group on cannabis, right? That's cool enough for a commission for me. That's good enough as a commission for me. Let our state legislators figure it out with their various working groups. And then they too can engage the agency, right? You know, I'm just never a big proponent of commission. Hard to get with them. There's just so many issues around that. An agency served us a better purpose. So I'm kind of disappointed um, that I don't think that's going to make the omnibus bill, given the fact that it was a high demand of a lot of social equity folks, right? You know, and if I can speak freely. Hey, man, you can say whatever you want here. You, 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 you know, uh, it, it's sad to know that it's institutions like CBAI, you know, it, it ain't. You know, no disrespect. It's just what it is. You gotta call. It, you gotta call it for what it is. You know, 
when you have an organization or a trade association like them who represent the interests of MSOs, some of which I partner with, so I'm not throwing the MSOs all under the bus. But when you got a trade association like that, that would vividly object to the desires and the wishes of social equity folks, one got to begin to question who do, who interests do they represent? And then why do they weigh so Why do they require so much attention and power over the social equity folks? It's almost like a contradiction to legislators saying they with social equity and then, you know, um, going against us when we say we want an agency versus a commission or delaying the process for an agency versus a commission, right? I know this much about politics, right, and politics. Which is different, is it? What you call politics and politics. Politics is getting the omnibus done. Politics is taking stuff out of the omnibus bill that would be essential to social equity folks. That's the one I don't like. I don't like the politics, right? You know, when, when, when you're elected to represent the interests of the people, that's what you're supposed to do. When yeah. the people say this is what they will, won't, this is what you're supposed to get done. We done passed the buck since 2019, man. Enough is enough. The time is now. The MSOs had three uninterrupted years in a retail market. Three uninterrupted, mm -hmm. uninterrupted years of profit sharing among, amongst multi-state operators, big brand corporations, three years uninterrupted by social equity license holders. And I was going to say longer than three years, technically, if you want to talk about yeah, the exactly. medical cannabis. The medical. Program. Yeah. So, well, can I ask what, what, just curious, what MSOs do you like work with? What companies do you work with? Which I do a lot with Justice Grown. You know, okay. shout out Lovie and Lovie. Yeah, Cole Eastman's of... been on our show before. Okay, okay, shoot, cool, cool, cool. So they, 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 they some great folks who actually help us. We did a incubator, and that's how I want a cultivation license. You know, shout out Mr. Lovie, John Lovie, partner Nate Lovie in the, in the team. Um, I felt like it was a match in having working with them. You know, Lovie and Lovie, the law firm does a lot of civil rights. You know, um, with cases like John Burge, and he actually sued on behalf of the John Burge victim. So it was, it was a match made in whole heaven. Um, so Justice Grown, uh, one of the industry biggest consultants um, for the MSOs, Richard Park. He, he, he's a brand by himself. He's not a multi-state operator, but he's a multi-state influencer, right? Particularly in the cannabis industry. He also happened to be my cannabis partner. Um, shout out him, and he had you know, titles of Verano's, Rasco, GTI, uh, Vice President of Cookies Emerging Market. Um, he, he's been uh, one of the partners behind D33 Rise and Success. Um, so shout out him. Um, another partner I work with uh, is Crasco Labs. You know, uh, you know, shout out Charlie. You know, uh, we, we've been able to do some effective things, particularly around COVID. When COVID first struck in 2020, uh, we requested, you know, Crasco and other MSOs contribute you know, to assisting people uh, with, 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 you know, PPE, right? And the reason for that was that they was making hella profit while everybody had to shelter in place. They was getting the bag, share the wealth. So, you know, shout out them for passing out, you know what I'm saying, masks, hand sanitizer, sanitizers from the house and giving out gift cards, right? Um, so we did an incubator with them also, a social equity incubator. We utilize the Illinois uh, Cannabis Education Training Center, you know what I'm saying, uh, to uh, 
show folks how to apply for licenses and teach them about the rules and regulations. Um, recently, uh, just started a conversation with Green Thumbs Industry. Um, shout out um, Ben Koval over there and Patrick. You know, so we did a lot of work with them. And I had to shout out Barrington Rutherford and Chima and Michael, who held down the social equity program over at Cresco. So they're, they're mostly mainly the companies that I work with in terms of MSOs or did some partnerships in the past with uh, that actually gave some stuff back to the community. So they did a lot of expungement work. So it was making sure they wasn't just profiting in Chicago, that they was giving back. And besides, Cole, check it out. They they chose the wrong neighborhood to locate, relocate to. Uh, and that's what I told them. GTI, Cresco, and all of them. Like, you guys, like, chose right by Cabrini Green to open up your headquarters. Like, that's my stumping ground. Like, nothing without us, but about us and for us, right? You're not going to post up over here in the community and not give back. When we make everybody in the community give back from Dick Sports and everything to support the community. So we just wanted to make sure that they had the mindset of supporting the community. They can be doing far more, more, you know, given their market participation. And uh, one of the things we're working on it with is uh, the drop of the prices for distillate and biomass for infusers and cultivators. So they, you know, until they up and running, they can go to market with some products. So that's been some of the negotiations we've been working on with them. Uh, but, you know, in terms of all partnerships, everybody can do better, especially when you got that much of a market share you know, that, you know, only a few big companies is is sharing. So that's why we demand a lot from them because they making the most. 1.5 last year, 1.2 the year before. What was it the year before? That, like, 700-something million? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a that lot of money. That is a lot of money. And, I mean, but if you compare it to Michigan, too, Michigan's I still. Think, go ahead. I was just going to say Michigan made, I think, a, more money than we did in the last year, but they don't they don't have as or sorry, they have more operators than we do. Um, and how much money did they generate? It's a good question. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I believe it was more. I can look into I can do like a quick Google of like Michigan 2022 cannabis sales, you know, and there are limited licenses in Michigan. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, $1.8 billion in adult use sales. Um, and then I'm just curious, Illinois cannabis adult use sales for 2022. Do you remember that? Yeah, 1.5. 1.5. 1.5. So they got 1.8 and yeah, they have unlimited licenses and they always, you know, we point to Michigan and sometimes Oregon and stuff as a failure. I wanted, I wanted to ask you, um, I know you kind of got to get along to get along. It's kind of the story of Illinois, but do you ever feel at odds with like some of the, you know, we were talking about the interests at the beginning of the MSOs at the beginning. Do you feel at odds with their stance on license limitations and at all with that? Cause I feel like that is the crux of what we're dealing with right now. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, so initially I was one of the supporters of uh, limited license. Right, because it impacts the valuation. Um, because of what? It might impact the valuation. Oh, gotcha. Right, right. And uh, when you have unlimited license, like when you look at the California market, you have companies like Medman that would that when they go tank, that makes everybody leery about investment in the markets. Right. Now, like too many licenses or this oversaturation of licenses, 
would, would create uh, investors exodus, right? Now, that's not the only thing that would cause an investor exodus. And this is why I tend to tell people the state is culpable for a lot of things. Like we have so many grounds for lawsuits, right? Um, one of the grounds is equal protection under the law legislative intent. They created a policy under the legislative intent that if they limit the licenses, right, it would attract investors into this market, right? Because it was a limited license state. I get the MSO pushing that. If you're going to create this program, you have to limit the licenses. That's the only thing that's going to attract investors. Or you're going to end up with a saturation pro um, pro problem like you did in Oregon, Oklahoma, you know, where there's millions of pounds of surplus, right? And so that was the threat. So when you when you limit the licenses, you then have corruption, right? And now it, it, it's, it, it's publicly known that it was a rigged process, right? The first round, like it was rigged. Like, 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 like the, the scoring was unexplainable. KPMFG, is that the, I forget the name of the group, KPMFG, right? APMG, yeah. Yeah, so you ask them, how does somebody who manages the scoring process win a license? Right. Or do it look like unethical? Do it look like corruption? And because the state gave them the contract, you know, investors saw this, they saw the lawsuits, and they what they they hightailed it the hell out of Illinois. Which then adversely caused a problem for the social equity license holders, right? You know, I, I you know, I, I told folks, you know, at one point I was like, you know what? Let's file a federal lawsuit, right? Let's file another lawsuit, right? Let's get an injunction on the state tax revenue, right? Let's show them how serious we are, right? Get an injunction on the state tax revenue and make them not let the, make it where they can't spend no money until they address the harm caused to social equity license winners, right? Because you can address that. When, when the investors left the station and said, okay, let me increase the lending opportunities and grant opportunities for social equity license winners. If we have stand these folks' businesses up, they're going to be able to help us address some of the ills of the communities in which they come from, one. Two, they're going to be a tax-paying business that, that, that's generating revenue that is only going to exacerbate the state coffers, right? Like, so their money is only going to grow. Yeah. So why wouldn't you financially support this if you want this program to be a success, right? Well, why why wouldn't you look at the fact that, okay, well, KPMFG, uh, um, the corruption over there has some, because some public distrust, right? Invested distrust. It was my legislative intent for investors to come into this market and support social equity folks. That didn't happen because of lawsuits. That didn't happen because the alleged corruption at KPMFG. That didn't happen because there wasn't enough clarity, right? So investors were leery to making such a huge investment in us because of the uncertainties with the legislative um, sessions that had happened, the regulations, and the contradictions around zoning. Here's one of the things, Cole, I think a lot of folks forgot about in the market. That, that, that there was township voting draft. Right. You know? And so folks who want licenses had to find somewhere else to go. Who yeah. fault is that? Yeah. There were there were municipalities throughout the state and these counties that didn't even have zoning in place to tell a person who wanted a license where they can actually go. 
They yeah. didn't have zoning in place at the time of the license win, right? And, did, and so because of these snafus, who's at fault? Did you or were you aware of a, a competing measure that was filed of this against the CRTA, which I know it didn't gain any traction, but I'm just curious if you're aware of it. The uh, uh, Carol Ammons bill uh, from Urbana. Are you aware of what it was? And uh, um, well, well, I can I can say <laughs> she initially was against it. She wanted to put so much more in it. She had a lot of stuff, a lot of things in the bill. In hindsight, we wish we would have added. Right? She was one of the biggest proponents who had told me I didn't, opponents who had told me I didn't know what I was getting myself into with the CRTA. Right? Yeah. And I told her I was I was more focused around the retroactive expungements. The social equity factor, right? Um, and, and getting this program going so we can get to the market because the MSOs had already had a great head start, you know, with the medical. What were some of the things that uh, Representative Ammons said that or wanted that that you felt were good? I mean, right off the back, the plus one, stopping the plus one, stopping the plus one. Okay. Like, 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 stopping that plus one. Why? And that's for people that are listening. That that's the idea that if you already have a medical dispensary, you get another adult use dispensary. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, for recreation. That's right. Cool. For recreation, everybody get a plus one. Um, so she had that. She wanted a more detailed, explainable process for social equity. I believe she complained about the veteran part, knowing that that would come back to bite us. Yeah. Um, she she had a list of things like her and a couple other legislators. It wasn't just her sure. uh, who had told me. I, I told you so. I told you so. Yeah. And I find this out when we filed the lawsuit for we against the state. I'm around scoring and things, and that created the additional 110 licenses. That's when I really realized, like, wow, yeah, we really missed the opportunity here. You know, um, you know, Rep. Abrams was right. She yeah. was right. Do you think, do you think um, uh, unlimited license? I know you were just talking about saturation and stuff, but do you think that is something we should have reconsidered? I, I mean, I, I, again, can, I, I believe. Can I show you a perspective unlimited. of a Oregon? Yes. Uh, or the the head of the Oregon guy, and he was talking about what happened, what you just described. So, one second here. Go ahead. Sounds like a lad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you look back at it and think maybe we should have put some caps on production or on the licenses? You know, my job's not to second guess that. I'm just the administrator. But if you're asking me, uh, I don't think so. Everyone just wanted to be the first in to have their stake in it. And they were willing to take the risk to be a part of that market. So I don't think that's necessarily bad. And in a control market, they'd be left out. They'd never get that chance. The left out part. Now, I believe, you, you know, um, when we look at these markets, right, I believe they have a point. This is why we work with, work with legislators in the governor's office to add things like, and shout out, you know, um, the, the folks on the, the Restorative Justice Committee, right, uh, for being, being very supportive of it, um, the governor's office and legislators. But I was a proponent uh, and advocate for the 55, right? Um, these 55 
luxuries, food dazzles, and things of this nature, right? And I, I thought that was important uh, because you want to make sure the people at the bottom, you know, had an opportunity to participate. So I believe that as long as we design, continue to design the licensing around a particular group that's been most harmed by the war on drugs, I think we'll get it right. Because remember, this was created for those disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. Right. And I wanted to actually ask you about that because um, I felt that that was one of the largest shortcomings of the CRTA, which is one of the speeches that that Representative Ammons did give is that it didn't address the actual issue. And and by that, I mean, hell, if you think about it, uh, for people that aren't from here, their possession limit is 15 grams. If you're caught with more than that, and we've talked to def defense attorneys that have had to defend against that, it's like, it's still a crime. Like you get in big yes, trouble. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware. You know, um, I think that was a big issue um, that should have been addressed. But again, in hindsight, a lot of folks missed, missed, missed the bus on that one, right? They, um, <clears throat> you know, there, there's so many loopholes in the law. You, you know, um, I'm going to put this one out publicly, and I know people hate when I do it, but it's the truth of the matter. You know, Illinois have a gifting act, right? Can you Google Illinois gifting? Yeah, no, okay. we've actually talked about this. The CROO has confirmed that you can gift cannabis uh, on our show. So. Right. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. Right. So, sorry, so, were you, so, you going to say something else about that, though? I was yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yes, gonna... I was. Yeah, that, that's a way to dispense. I mean, like, we're going to keep it real with the people. You look at what they're doing in New York. You know, right now with the T-shirt. The weed is free. That is an act of gifting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And folks would say, well, you are you encouraging elite? No, that's the law. You know, um, I don't believe there should be a limitation on how much a medical patient can grow. Right? You know, I, I believe that... Um, or an adult. Just in this form. Right, think... or an grown person, period. Right. <laughs> to be allowed to grow their own product. You let them grow their tomatoes. <laughs> Right. Right. So, so yeah, I, I'm I'm just trying to figure out like these laws. Who are they meant to assist? Right. And who are we making happen? Who are we making happy? Let me just try to sit this. Give me one second. <laughs> You're all good. I'm bro. trying to roll up. I'm trying to roll up. <laughs> you know, you trying to roll up. This, like this, these phones. There we go. Yeah. There we go. I, I can roll up. Now. There's an art to it. There's an art to it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I, I would just like. There, there's ways you can do things in this state and you should be allowed to, right? I think that Illinois just limited the capacity of profitability that we all can have in this market. You know, we're not tapping into consumption the way we should, right? Um, we're, we're not really tapping into our tourist market the way we should. We're not really marketing ourselves as that cannabis-friendly city, right? Not when you say the limitation is 15 grand, right? Like, that's kind of hard because, like, if I'm in town for a week, right, in Chicago, you know, you see what I'm saying? Right, right. Or, yeah. or two weeks, I want to go grab, and I'm at an Airbnb, I want to go grab all my weed right now and take it to the Airbnb, right? Mm -hmm. And just have it in the crib. You know, so, so yeah, I, I think it's some, it's some things in the law that we really need to work on. Yeah. You, you know, uh, that, that possession is real. And, and like one of the biggest ones is just smelling a weed. Like, 
I don't want them pushing that to the side. The right. police can pull you over because they smell cannabis. That's going to be their excuse for everything, right? Mm -hmm. what, what, was it cannabis or CBD? <laughs> right. Was it hemp or weed? Do you have a tester? Can and you test the air to see if it was cannabis? It's just crazy because for folks that are listening, it's not even a question of whether or not it, it, it whether or not it's a crime. If they claim they smell weed, and so you know, this is the example I like to give, and I got it from a defense attorney, so I'm not going to say that I made it up or anything. But um, you get pulled over, and somebody asks a cop asks, "Hey, do you have weed on you?" And because you know it's legal, you're just like, uh, "Yeah, yes, I do happen to." And then he goes, "Yeah, I could smell it." Yeah. Right. That's how it starts. And that's a crime, by the way. That's a I believe it's a class C it's misdemeanor. Whole, it, yeah. Yes, it is. It's a trap. Yeah. Like like and, and it's like it's the contradiction of the law. Because If you look at the CRTA, it says that it is like the least punishable offense. Like this is not what law enforcement is supposed to be um, focusing on. Right. Right. This is and not what they're supposed to be keying on. I want to show you uh, to your point here. I'm going to prove your point here. Uh, the first sentence of the CRTA is in the interest <laughs> of allowing law enforcement to focus on violent and property crimes. That's the just look what yeah. you said. That's the first sentence of the law. <laughs> that's why I, I mentioned it. That's about the only thing I mean, I'm agreed on. Like, hey, look, these people will ignore the every line in that law to make it work against their benefit, you know. Uh, you know, but like I said, I, I'm disappointed that for us to be such so progressive um, that we, we we seem lost in our responsibilities to create effective legislation, right, that could redress and address, but, you know, this continual war on drugs, the continued war on drugs. What do you what did you think was progressive about our approach, though, like on paper? Was it the just expungement, the, idea? the, the okay. expungement and on paper social equity participation in this market? Okay. I, I'd really, uh, I, one thing I think we would agree on that I'm glad you just said it distinctly is different. So I know we already agree on it, but, uh, I just wanted to say that the governor sometimes, uh, and I've heard other people say that like expungements are a form of social equity, right? You've heard him say that. Yeah, but I don't no, no, that's, that's that. Now we can agree to disagree on that one. Right. Um, what I just want to say is that expungements, they're just literally acknowledging that the previous crime is no longer illegal. I don't think it's a form right. of social equity. Like, right. I think it's a redress know? of the Correct. war on drugs. It's not social equity. You don't miss yes. the truth. There you know, you go. equity is, is the participation in it, right? Having yeah. a percentage of, right? Um, and that's one of the things that I was disappointed about. You know, I, I spent a lot of years ago working with the University of Virginia after the big, um, Alt left and alt right fight because the the residents of Charlottesville don't say don't say they do not call it a, a race riot. It was not. It was an alt left versus alt right fight, right? So I spent a lot of years down there afterwards working with the University of Virginia to create an equity center to redress and address, right, some of the historic racist practices uh, at the university, you know, which is the biggest landowner in Virginia, and um. Uh, did a hell of a job. Brookings is to all of us, people who contributed. I still sit on the National Advisory Board for there. Um, and it's funny how we look at equity on the East Coast versus how we look at equity in, in the Midwest, right? Everywhere you go, East, East people will look at equity different. In Illinois, I think, with cultivation specifically, 
you can't say this is an equitable program, yes, for market participation in the craft atmosphere, but there's no craft MSOs. So there's no equity with 14,000 versus 200,000 versus unlimited for metal, right? Now, if equity would be, okay, everybody who have a cultivation, I'll give you plus one, <laughs> right? I'll bring you, give you the, the ability to grow medical, right? Now that's equity, unlimited, right? You go from 14,000 to unlimited. Now that's equity, right? Because you're giving a craft grower social equity per person the same opportunity you gave the MSO. That's equity. Yeah. Difference in equity. Yeah. So I know why you put the word social in front of it now. So you can say, oh, we're looking for social equity, not market equity for you guys, right? The market equity would be <clears throat> yeah, all of these licenses have to go to a particular group of folks, right? That's equity. The state would invest in them. That's equity, right? Your state right. investing in you. That's equity. So I think yeah. we just all mixed up the word with the word equity is um, versus uh, restorative justice. That was restorative justice. That's what expungement yeah. was restorative justice. I agree. I want to say I agree with you on I think both points. Uh, the social equity part, like we obviously didn't address that for the reasons we just talked about—the possession limits, the fact that they still exist, the fact that people can't cultivate. Like that means that in those ways, if you wanted to say that was an effort to address social equity, in my opinion, that is an abject failure. Now, when you switch over to like equity for licensing, I mean the question is open on <laughs> as to whether that was the way it was meant to be. And that's where I just like, I want to return to the topic of limited licenses again, briefly. Like, I really think that that policy point is, is the, the reason that, that we're having this issue. And like some of the people that we've talked about in this show and that are operators in the state, mm. frankly, say that they support limited licenses because they're attractive investment opportunities. And like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I get it. it. I mean, it's simple economics and I'm not, I'm not an economist, by the way. Like if there are less people selling it and you're one of the limited few that can, you can set the prices at whatever you want. And I mean, yeah, you're the only one that's mm -hmm. legally making money. It's not like rocket science by any means. Now but, that's equity too. One of the things I think, but go ahead, go ahead, finish up, finish up your point. Well, that was that was kind of it. I, I was going to show like a brief video. Uh, it's a like a one minute video to kind of uh, cap off my point. But I do want to hear like what you're because it sounds like what you were about to say is that the limited licenses are that form of equity. Right. Or we might. Sorry, yes, I don't mean to complete your thought. But yeah, so that limited form of licenses is that form of equity. Right. Because you got to remember the MSOs had a market share that guaranteed the average dispensary earned this amount of money, right? So if you just open the licenses up without making them limited, then no license would have been able to have the opportunity to do the numbers that the current MSOs was doing in this market, right? And it had created a, a situation with some other things, but particularly to the point of equity in that, right? If you limited the license, so now you get them a good valuation. I think what folks get lost in translation with equity is, particularly from the government side, I heard this misstated so many times. Well, it's not equity if they sell the license. Oh, okay, well, define equity for me. Yeah, I mean, right? I heard some license you, holders. You say generational wealth. Right. You say it's not generational wealth. Right. So tell me what you mean. 
it's not generational wealth. If I can take a person from public housing, low income housing, um, who had weed charges, right? Um, who would make it fifty thousand dollars a year or a veteran, whoever won in the first round, I can take any of them license holders and say, look, this license holder owned 51% of this license, which is valued at five million dollars, right? That means they're gonna get at least two point five million dollars or better, right? If I if they went from the year before their tax records show that they made seventy thousand, fifty thousand, however much money they made, and the next year tax returns show an increase from fifty thousand to two million, that's equity. That that's creating, you know, a a, a financial a person financial change, right? Uh, yeah. Now what they do with that money, the two point five million dollars, well, that's not enough to have generational wealth if they invested in the right area. It is. And cannabis would have created that opportunity by their ability to sell that license. Yeah. I, I get- was afraid, you know, just, just real quick, I was afraid that the state was going to set itself up for another lawsuit. You had, uh, what's the joint on? Ogden and Western. Perry used to own that one. He sold it. THC. Yeah. THC yeah, yeah. dispensary. He yep. sold it. Right? Yep. How can you tell him he had the, he had the right to sell his license? But a social equity folks don't. Cresco GTI is a publicly traded company. They're allowed to take investors, shareholders, and all of this. Right. Right. To continually to fund their business, but you're going to deny social equity folks. And who cannot go to a bank and get a traditional loan, by the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they come from a disproportionately impacted area, that probably would tell you that the um, per capita households aren't going to be your traditional investors. So they don't have a network with that network to get the capital in to stand up their business. You follow me? Yes. They're only going to be limited to to a certain pool of people with money who's going to more, more than 95% of the time is going to be a non-black or Latino, a person of color they wish that this license would keep being the hands of. They, where's the 99% white industry we wanted to do this to make sure we got more minorities and people of colors in this industry okay how do you propose to do that just with a license I mean one of the things I noticed the MSOs was good at code real quick was borrowing up all the goddamn money man they borrowed up they bar- They started borrowing more money in 2019 right. 2018 before these, this was legal right and they was using that money to acquire real estate in areas they knew that dispensaries and cultivation facilities would go. They were very smart, bro. Right? Again, market manipulation. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like our government, that we, we talk equity, but you got to show it to me. I've been out of three years trying to advocate with them. And let's work with our land bank, right? You know, um, the, the government, or the state Illinois government can create an industrial revenue bond. A commercial blight reduction bill, right? Let's say if you go into these communities where automation of cause factories to show, close down and you got these industrial corridors throughout the state that are blighted and vacant. Let's repurpose this, right, by creating an industrial revenue bond, one, or two, creating a fund for commercial blight reduction. I've done it before with Ida in the Cook County Land Bank, yeah. right? To deal with blighted commercial corridors, right? And industrial corridors before it tanks the water like it did in Michigan, right? 
So I know that the state has the capacity to create, you know, legislation that would assist social equity folks. Look, we give tax credit to Amazon, <laughs> Walmart, Target, Boeing, Centerspace, all these big companies and corporations that are coming to Illinois to do business, right? We give them big tax breaks. We create tax incentives and subsidies for them just in exchange for jobs and opportunity, but we're not getting creative like that for social equity license winners. We're going to create good jobs and opportunities, cultivation facilities. The average cultivation facility is going to hire 20 to 40 people. You know that, right? Yeah. I mean, my thing, I guess, my my huge issue with limited licenses, and maybe this is, I, if you noticed, I had an epiphany in the middle of what you were saying, but I, I'm glad that uh, you finished your thought because, like... I definitely agree with you. You know what I mean? But like my, my again, my issue in the kind of the epiphany that I had is the enforcement arm of limited licenses are the police. Mm -hmm. So I just had an unlicensed operator on my show. Let's call him that because he doesn't have a license, but he sells weed in the state of Illinois and he maybe uses uh, some of the loopholes that you were referring to and, and some other ones. Mm -hmm. Um, if he gets caught, he goes to jail. And I guess that's my issue with limited licenses. It's like the enforcement arm continues to be the policies that got us here in the first place. And it just seems like if we want to address social equity, and I know we were just talking about this and you agreed with me, but I feel like until we do this, social equity is a failure. Until we cease the policies and enforcement patterns that created the harm in the first place, like somebody I've seen many people say, like, if we don't pass this legislation within the next 10 days, social equity is going to be a failure. I get what you yeah. guys are saying, but I feel like we did. It was not. We didn't really address it in the first place. You know what I mean? Like the state. Always, and, and I agree. I agree. We, we didn't address it in the friend. I believe like we're doing now. Uh, 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 and I, I got to see in the next 10 days, like in the next week or so. I believe that we can. Fix it as we go, which was ass backwards by my my belief now, you know, by yeah. my, my my belief system now, right? Because yeah. again, I was awarded license in twenty twenty one, right? And I've been through more bullshit and red tape, right? Right. Just to take down a facility, pardon my my French. No, it's um, all good. Um, and it's legislative. Mm hmm. But that's my issue right, is that it, it feels like we're cutting off our nose to spite our face with these policies. Like, I feel like this process may have yielded a higher proportion of minority participation, which is what the state shows. They show mm -hmm. data that mm -hmm. proves that now, technically speaking, the number of people that have licenses in the state of Illinois, you know, that are people of color or, or just let's yeah. let's just say non-white. They outnumber the for for now, at least. Let's see if you for know, now. For now, it's, it's that's not, not going to stay that way because people going to sell. But it, but again, right? I think uh, to just finish the thought, like I think this process may have yielded a higher proportion of minority participation, but it just doesn't seem impressive when you consider that we've only handed out less than 300 new licenses. Like you look at Oklahoma, you look at Oregon and you look at Michigan. Yes, it may be tough, tough, but like I've had Portia Mittens on. She's from Oregon and she yeah. was actually an interesting situation because she was in a town that kind of like you were talking about earlier in Illinois, but again, this was in Oregon that I'm talking about. They limited the number of licenses that would be in the town. Mm 
of course they can't limit the number in the state, right? That's out of their, that's out of their what you know jurisdiction or whatever. Um, right. But so she was a, in a unique situation where she didn't have to like face competition like in her town. But I asked her like, isn't it great to just be able to start up like that? Like it, it just seems like these policies. What they end up is all this red tape, everything you've gone through, and it's like. I just wonder if after what after you and others hopefully get what you need to to be successful, I'm worried like what is the next group of people face? Are they gonna have to go through all this whole same thing? You know what I mean? So again, while while I'm in the process of opening up my license, right? Open up my business utilizing my license, I've been I run a trade association. Again, yeah. I was very active in creating the fifty-five licenses, right? Mm-hmm. Adding the gunshot victim to that, right? Adding low-income SNAP um, um, benefactors, uh, uh, um, public housing, adding food deserts, adding low graduation rates, right? Really trying to hit the people at the bottom, right? Yeah, and give people background on what you're talking about really quick because you're talking about you added that as a, a way to qualify. Parameter for the, yeah, yeah, to qualify for the social equity Correct. for the, the 55 round. The, the round of 55 that just closed on April 21st. Right. Uh, we advocated for that, right? Because I felt like in this process, even though I'm from public housing and this, it was enough people from the low income community mm-hmm. that got a chance to participate. And I know we added the veteran, that was cool. But the legislation said the people disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. And if you know anything about Illinois and Chicago, most of the oversaturation of police happened in public housing and low income communities, right? Most of the drug and gang convictions came from low-income communities, right? Yeah. Public housing. So I wanted to make sure we addressed that, the intention, the legislative intent of CRTA. And I can say the government did a great job of doing that, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, but even to that point, I, I, I got resistance from people who had licenses <laughs> that owned dispensaries. They didn't want another 55 licenses, right? Yeah. And I began to see, to your point, why folks push for things like a limited license. Because it become a, a, a group of folks who just think they're in the in crowd and then nobody else deserves an opportunity. And I wanna... I'm always going to be an advocate. I'm all, like, Cole, you Google me, Willie J.R. Fleming, cannabis. <laughs> Willie J.R. Fleming, casinos. Folks was mad because Valley's coming back to Bernie Green, and I'm advocating for equity. I'm an equity mm-hmm. guy, so we want equity in everything. Any new industry, we want equity, right? right. And folks like, you already got cannabis license. Why you care about casinos? Because why would I stop fighting for the people? <laughs> Just yeah. that's what we like. It's right. That make me a sellout. Ain't in my blood, right? So I'm gonna always advocate in this industry for the formal and informal market, right? On the local and federal level, right? To bring yeah. folks home. I worked on First Step Act, Second Chance Act. So I'm always gonna advocate, right? I, I just think in Illinois, too many concessions are given with our state legislators, right? And I don't get it because it's a super majority. Right. Fuck, you need it. Excuse my friend. No, you what can. Do you cut, need a, we can. Like, 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 what the fuck? Who has you kissing? Who you trying to appease? <laughs> you got a super majority, man. Right. What the fuck a motherfucker going to do besides get mad? Your vote matters not. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that's your, your, your constituent on the other side of the aisle, my ass, right? Get the bill done like they would do if they was on the other side of that super majority, right? They're going to move legislation that fit their agenda and their constituents' agenda. Yeah. We're not doing that in the state of Illinois. I'm disheartened and disappointed, right? Yeah. Because this state needs money. 
not a lot of new federal dollars coming into Illinois. I know that's because I do a lot of national organizing. Mm-hmm. We're going back to the 2019 budget federally and pre-COVID dollars, right? So the state have to create innovative ways and creative ways to address housing, education, public safety, and all of these things with their own revenue. For states that, and I was in D.C. saying, well, well, that should be hard for states that legalize casinos and, and cannabis. <laughs> their tax revenue, I've been checking, is off the chart. Like a half a billion dollars in tax revenue, bro. Yeah. Like who y'all think y'all talking to? We're not stupid in Illinois. You can take $300 million of that tax revenue, put a bond on it, create a commercial blight reduction program, and help cultivation facilities stand up across Illinois because they're going to create 30 to 40 plus jobs, good paying jobs, right? They're going to bring back to life these vacant and, 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 and blighted communities where there's industrial corridors or factories not being used. Like we can get creative. I just think the problem is we'll be doing it for the people at the bottom. And I, and I mean this when I say this. We'll be doing it for social equity license holders who ain't going to contribute to your D2s and the multitude like the MSOs. I'm going to call it a spade a spade, right? Mm-hmm. These craft grow associations and dispensary owners, they ain't going to be making no political contribution. A lot of us don't want to have to hire a lobbyist. You know what I'm saying? Because we can't afford that right now. But we're going to create the same amount of jobs and opportunity that target Walmarts with a better pay scale. Why aren't we receiving the same innovative creation, right, of subsidies for social equity applicants? We swear as legislators and as a government, we want to see be successful. And this just ain't to the state. These are to the local municipalities, right? Why aren't we getting as creative for social equity cultivators and dispensaries as we did for the Targets, Walmart, and the Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be clear that that uh, uh, when I talk about unlimited licenses, I do not I, I kind of pair that with social equity still. I still think there should be like uh, the idea that people that don't qualify, like there should still be that like list of mm. like you that you help mm-hmm. to contribute to. Um, and, and if you qualify for that, then you would have access to this like fund and and non people that don't qualify when they pay for a license, they have to pay into that fund, not only like when Mm -hmm. they apply, but like yearly, because like, I just feel like I'm all for giving a leg up to operations, you know, to transfer wealth to disproportionately impacted communities. It just seems like this was, you know, the, the, the wrong way to go about it. So, um, I, w- I know we went a lot longer than maybe uh, you had expected. Are you good on time? I wanted to close on. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Cool. I wanted to close on this like idea, you know, going forward. I really hope that you guys bring it home and that you get the policies that would help you for success. Cause like you say, without the 14,000 square feet, um, like it's going to be really hard to survive in the industry. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought up other policies like the odor of cannabis without that going away the war on drugs continues. So we need policies like that to become, to, to pass, to become law. And so um, I appreciate you like bringing those up. And I hope again, that these policy points uh, go forward. I wanted to ask you going forward. One of the things that I felt during this push here and hear me out on this is that like, there are 
there's a pretty vibrant cannabis community, but it, it feels like it's lacking in, in the same energy that we had pre-legalization. And I'm wondering how we can get that energy back. And I'm just wondering if in the future, and I know that you're not the driver of policy, but I know you're like very much involved, dude. And and thank you, by the way, for your work and advocacy, because um, it's in it's in many more ways than just cannabis. You know what I mean? Like this is, you know, um, right. So, but yeah, I wondered if we, if to get that energy, because it like seems like some of these proposals, you know, you kind of have to like, like, let me just put it this way. I bet you, if you went to a dispensary and you asked like 10 people in a row, they wouldn't even know the thing about 14,000 square feet. You know what I mean? Like just random people. So I'm wondering like how we get people that buy weed to get like, to get energy behind these proposals that would enable you know, operators. And it would probably be a conversation like, Hey, if you support these measures, you're going to have more choices of good weed in here from people in your community. That's one of the things. Exactly. You know? So we, we, we won't, we won't, my, my approach is a farmer approach, you know, mm-hmm. because like I said, I've benefited medically from cannabis. Yeah. So I want to deliver a product that's really going to benefit the consumer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've been fighting for people my whole life. You know, I've been a team player, you know, I, I'm with the rights of people. You know, when I heard stuff about molded weed, and it's bad, like like it's a lot of this shit is garbage. Like it's a lot of garbage, but you don't have a choice. And they forcing garbage down your throat, right? You know, and, and, and then so I, we like to educate the public to say, look, we want to put good weed, great weed on the shelf, so you know the difference, right? One, and you're getting the best product, right? So fourteen thousand square feet is going to help us grow more product give you a more diversified uh, um, choice of what you buying and who you buying from, right? You know, it's quality versus quantity. You know, these 200,000 square foot and unlimited grows, it's about quantity, right? That's why you end up with molded weed because they really don't, they ain't checking like that. We saying with a craft grow, you're going to get the best product. And the more you do to push to help social equity folks, the more it's going to benefit you as a consumer. So it's an ecosystem. I tell everybody this. From the owners to the consumers, be it the patient or the recreational smoker, it's an ecosystem. And it's a plant, you know, that's supposed to spread love. Not all of what we got going on, right? It's a healing plant, right? Yeah. It's supposed to heal the situation, cure the problem, not add to it. Mm -hmm. And so I just believe, and I know for sure that when social equity folks enter this market full spread, then the state going to see a reason probably to expand licensing because they're going to see a, a bunch of better products on the shelf out there, right? And consumers are going to have a wider choice. But, you know, you can't do that without contacting your state legislator, letting them know, like, get this omnibus bill done, agency over commission. You know, we got a super majority. Shouldn't nothing be waiting for the veto session. It's nothing to discuss, right? You go with the will of the people, you know. So, yeah, I, I'm just praying that we get our 14,000 square feet, you know, and, and that we can offer the state of Illinois some of the best bird they've seen yet. Because hands down, I know I got some of the best geneticists and growers. You know what I'm saying? I've been blessed, you know. I, I got yeah. a great team. I got a great team. Oh, yeah, man. Well, I want to thank you again for your time. For folks that are listening, it's uh, May 19th. That's the last day. You need to let your legislators know before then. You need to call them if you're listening to this right now. 
and let them know to support uh, the cannabis omnibus bill agency over commission uh, is what Willie said, right? Yeah, that's right. And JR, please. And then uh, 14,000 square feet, uniform, uniform badging, you know, allow dispensaries and owners uh, of cannabis licenses to sell some of their equity for investment or do what they want with their license like everybody else. Uh, but I do got to ask you, man, if I can recommend one person you can bring on the show. Oh, bro. Give you that smoke. He, everybody say he's the young mentee. He's J.I. times 10, young fire Jordan Melendez, man. The protege, like, he's a bro. beast, bro. <laughs> I, talk a to beast, I talk to Jordan all the time. So, yeah, we'll make it happen. And, no and, doubt. And, and just, just letting the world know I ain't holding Jordan back. Let these <laughs> legislators know and the world know the young fire coming at you, man. You know, I, I give a big shout out to George Melendez, Doug Kelly, Peter Contos, and them for holding us down in this space and all of our advocates. Shout out, Belisha, from Scene as well. So I appreciate yeah. you. Thanks, Colin. Again, thanks to Illinois, you know what I'm saying, for being that home based bud podcast that ain't afraid to put that smoke on the shelf. Fuck okay, yeah, JR. The real smoke. Hell appreciate yeah, bro. You, bro. Well, hey, just so you know, this this platform is always open for you. You got my number now, so just let me know, and I'll reach out to you for sure. Um, so, thank I you. I appreciate you, though. Uh, um, definitely. Uh, and one more thing before I get off the show. Yeah. You got to get at the new mayor of Chicago, man. See where he stand on cannabis, man. Inquiry in mind wants to know. He's a good, good. He's a good guy, good friend of mine. But got to address the issue of cannabis in Chicago. We ready to get to it, man. Hell yeah. You know, we, we, we need advocates from everywhere, not just the people, but our local politicians, county commissioners, aldermen, mayors. Y'all speak up um, to the state and let them know, get it right for social equity. Well, with that, folks, uh, once again, reach out to your local representatives and uh, make sure they hear you. So take care, folks. We'll Thanks, see you folks. in the next episode.